0: Hello and welcome to the Access of Space, Defense, and Security podcast. I'm Omkar Nikam, your host for this episode. In this podcast, we explore the latest developments and trends in the fields of space exploration, defense technology, and national security. Each episode features insightful interviews with experts and industry leaders who share their perspectives on a wide range of topics, including the latest advances in satellite technology, space exploration missions, military defense strategies, cybersecurity, and more. Whether you are a space enthusiast, a military professional or someone interested in the latest innovation in technology and security, this podcast has something for you. Join us as we delve into the cutting-edge research, breakthroughs that are shaping the future of space, defense and security. Stay tuned. Episode 8 is a follow-up of Episode 7. So I kindly request you to first listen to the episode 7 so that you can very well connect with me and David Andelman in episode 8. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode of the podcast. Thank you very much. Yes, definitely. I think uh, as we are surfing in the pool of Indo-Pacific region at the moment, so that's why I'd like to bring this up. Like United States sees India as one of the potential Not only a security, but a commercial partner uh, and navigator as well in the Indo Pacific region. Uh, But looking at the other side of India, like we have always seen, uh, like India is prominently one of the nations which has always avoided uh, forging alliances or, you know, building alliances with the countries. They definitely are partners with several nations. For example, they are partners with Russia since a long time, but there has never been an alliance with Russia. Uh, neither with uh, any other countries in the Middle East or Latin America. But currently, the U.S. and India relations are at such a point where I think uh, there are several agreements that have been initiated, especially as I come from the space sector. So I'd like to mention that uh, there are several civil and commercial space project uh, cooperations that are happening at the moment between the United States and India. So what are your thoughts, like how this relationship will Evolve in the future because they uh, they haven't been uh, you know really close partners as much as U.S. Uh, sorry, India and Russia have been. So how do you think this relationship will affect uh, India and overall uh, its impact on the Indo-Pacific region?
1: Well, you know, I've, I've written a lot about this both for CNN uh, Opinion and my column there, and and also for um, Antelman Unleashed, my Substack page. Uh, I think that the United States has to, there's, there's a very, some very delicate um, political balancing going on there. Um, for years, for, for decades, the United States has sought to balance a um, its relationships with, um, with Pakistan and with India. And obviously, India considers its principal uh, security threat Pakistan, Pakistan considers its principal security threat of India. If you look at their nuclear arsenals, they target their nuclear targeting is more directly at each other rather than at any potential external um uh, challenger, even even China. Yes. So um all of this is very important because now what India has a very conservative, um, I guess that's a nice way to put it, um, prime minister. And um and and the United yeah. States right. Yes was, was, was very close yeah. to Donald Trump, I must say, in, in both in yeah. friendship and in terms of ideology. So now the question is, um, the United States really needs India to be very much on its side, particularly in terms of um, not helping Russia any more than it has in the past, uh, perhaps considerably less. In terms of being um, sourcing um, uh, some some um, um, you know, high-tech material that we were formerly sourcing from China, uh, India is becoming a very important player in that part of the world, more so in many respects than Pakistan ever could be. And now with the end of the, um, the war in, in Afghanistan, there's really, you know, there's, there's there's even less incentive for the United States to really be play equal in that play fair in that part of the world and treat each of these countries equally. Pakistan, of course, the United States needed to keep close ties to because that was what the Taliban saw as its principal uh, foreign refuge uh, away from the fighting. That's no longer an issue. Not particularly an issue. Uh, so the question now becomes: How do we do? How do we develop this this delicate balance between? A country like India that is led by a, a a head of state, a head of government, who is um, substantially divergent from the the current regime in, in in the United States, and from much of the democratic countries in Western Europe as well, and while at the same time uh, you're not not alienating a country like Pakistan, which is still a nuclear armed nation in uh, in a in a very sensitive part of the world, so it is a very delicate balance. My fear is that. We are going to lean far too far too far to the towards the Indian side and not present and and abandon our our even handed treatment of um, of these countries. And I think that would be a that could be a, a huge mistake going forward. And I'm sorry to say that for, for someone I know your I know your origins and so on, Umkar. I'm sorry to have to say that, yeah. but I, <laughs> no problem. Yeah, I, I think, I think yes. that's an yeah. important issue to deal with.
0: Yes. No, Definitely, I I agree uh, completely with your points. Uh, So just on this line, as you mentioned, Afghanistan, uh, looking ahead, uh, recently we saw that uh, like, you know, India and UAE, they kind of skipped dollar trade, trading in dollar, I mean, US dollar. And they are trading in their respective currencies at the moment. So do you think like this is the gradual impact of decentralization of power?
1: Well, the, the currencies are certainly are, have a major impact on on power equations. There's no doubt about that. I, I think it's going to be very difficult for any country to sort of absent itself from the dollar dollar system around the world, which is really the the most important system. I mean, the euro obviously is a very important component, and some of the other smaller currencies. I mean, the pound is still an important currency, uh, the yen, uh, and and um, you know the the, the the Chinese would like to make the renminbi a, a, a global currency, but that's not going to happen unless they make substantial changes in their system of conversion and so on so but but it's still a, it we're playing in a dollar world let's face it almost all major securities and so on are yes. in dollars eventually um <clears throat> the um this is something you can't avoid you can avoid it yeah. for a short period of time and you can um i mean the, uh, the 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 russians have become very adept at that uh recently but it's not something you can avoid yes eternally. And and I don't think, and I see no reason why you should be able to. Bitcoin, everybody was saying, oh, that's an alternative currency that's going to stick. That's not the case anymore. And Bitcoin is fading. So yes. I don't know what the alternative is. Uh, you know, baskets of currency have never worked very well, mainly because the each of the countries that are participants in these baskets of currencies have such substantially different um, growth transe- tranje- trajectories and, and so on that um, you can't necessarily count on them. To become a um, you know a, a component of, of a reasonable component of a of a, a global currency, that going forward, so I, I just don't see that happening for the moment.
0: All right, okay. So just a follow up question on this, uh, but prior to that, I, I'd just like to know your thoughts on uh, the ongoing uh, you know issues around Australia at the moment. For example, like uh, from the lens of the space sector, uh, I observe that. Australia is you know building their own independent assets in space sector like they they have started building their own satellite at the moment uh, of course uh, most of the companies involved in those projects are still the US based companies but the satellite that will be built will be an independently operated satellite for the Australian armed forces and for their other uh, utilities as well so uh, this is also a signal because uh, Australia has been traditionally dependent on the United States, you know, to lease the satellite capacity or to utilize any kind of asset related to the space technology for the military purpose from the United States. So do you think like this independent position uh, of Australia, uh, how uh, like possibly how it will impact the US-Australia relationship? Because we have seen recently Australia has been in this pool of conflict I would say like of a cold conflict, not a you know hot conflict with China, uh, which happened like a year or two ago. So, what are your thoughts on this?
1: I I, I can't see um, Australia really um, uh, pulling away from its, it's almost utterly totally reliance on on on, um, on the United States in terms of in terms of the military industrial complex and in terms, particularly in terms of the military. You're going to look particularly at the at the submarine program, and that's something I followed very closely because. Um involved okay. it like, involved the French very very closely last year in fact, yeah. uh, maybe perhaps it was two years ago now the um the um the French had, had convinced uh, the Australians that they were that they should indeed begin to break away from um, from United states dependence and they signed a a huge contract to build a, the next fleet of of um conventional submarines for the Australian Navy um then the Americans came along um somehow managed to you know sort of um uh, pry that contract away from the French, um, much to the chagrin of, of Emmanuel Macron. He was furious about this, uh, and and give it to uh, the American suppliers. So, which is where it stands right now. The problem is that the the Australians have never. They, the French recognize this. reason yeah. They did. No, the French recognize that they, Australians did not have the capacity to to run and operate a, a fleet of nuclear powered submarines um they didn't have the understanding they didn't have the knowledge didn't have the training they didn't have any of the uh, technological abilities which is why they agreed to build a a fleet of conventional submarines well now you have the americans in there with all different kinds of aspirations the the australian's capacities in that respect haven't gotten any better or or any or or any more (laughs) um, you know accomplished so but now they're totally reliant on the united states in those terms so it's it's hard for me to see that Look, Australia wants very much to be have a, have an independent, charted, independent course, but yes. it also understands that it's also, you know, in the shadow of of a, a very um, a substantially um, a rebuilding China that is um, that yes. is, has its own military um, aspirations in that whole region. Uh, they need the they need to be at least to a degree under the American umbrella, so as not to become um, within more increasingly within the shadow of China. So I think that's that's what we really have to yes. look at, whether it's in space, whether it's under the sea or on the sea, whether it's on land. Um, the 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 uh, Australia is going to become is going to remain, I think, a, a very closely tied to a, to American strategic uh, interests.
0: Yeah, nice to have this perspective. Yeah. So, uh, and just a follow up question, I would say uh, to this question itself, because I think we are approaching the end of the podcast. So, will U.S. cast a wide net over its international presence and restructure its foreign policy to overcome this impact uh, you know of how it's possibly losing a control over some countries
1: um, what, what the united states is losing control over some countries you're, you're suggesting what, uh,
0: yeah that's uh, for example like the uh, some of the countries in the sense uh, you know, like Australia, we have, as I mentioned, at the moment, mm-hmm. uh, if not fully, as you mentioned, it's not. It's going to be a close ally, uh, but still, you know, developing your own asset. It's going. They are going to take possibly some exit from the wideband global satellite system that uh, Australia mm-hmm. is a, pa- a part of at the moment. Sure. Uh, and the wideband global satellite system has been operated uh, by the United States at the moment. Mm-hmm. So there might be a time, you know, when Australia in some sectors might be, you know, operating independently. So similarly, there might be some other countries, especially like countries like India, where where you know U.S. is uh, trying very hard to possibly, you know, initiate a kind of an alliance or maybe a strong partnerships. But they are still not having that kind of hold the way they should have. So do you think like they might uh, possibly restructure their foreign policy in the future?
1: I, I frankly can't see most countries. Restructuring their foreign policy in that, that extent. I mean, just take Indonesia. Indonesia is a place that I know fairly well, going back to um, well, going back almost fifty years now, to the time when I was in that part of the world. Um, the um, the Indonesians at that point, uh, back in the nineteen seventies, uh, had established a um, uh, an Intelsat um, a, a program using um, um, I, I believe it was Hughes um, uh, t- uh, s- s- satellites and um, telecommunications equipment. And they wanted to yeah. um, wanted to uh, establish a, a network of uh, of telephone, telex, and and um, um, and, and, um, and 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 video capacity and on many of its small outlying islands, all over this huge archipelago that is, is tremendously um, spread out across Southeast Asia. So um, they built some of these ground stations, which were completely useless. Um, they were sold a bill of goods, I think, by the um, by the American manufacturer. I went out to visit one of them on the, an island that was um, um, the island called Sumba, which was uh, three islands east of Bali, way out. There was only two flights a day, one in and one out. Um, and for, I mean, uh, two flights a week, one in and one out to this island. So I went out there. I stayed there for a week. Uh, there were basically only yeah. two, two telephones in this entire island, two. And they had oh. this enormous ground satellite ground station. There was this one okay. which was used was that the lights on it. They were lit up um, throughout the night, all night long, uh, in, in the area, in the region, right around, in the area, right around the where the satellite ground station was for security. But it was also the only lighting on the island. It had its own generator, so that the young people on the island could play football, um, soccer, um, you know, at, at night under the lights. They, they were delighted by that. That was the principle used for that entire satellite ground station, as far as I could see. But that's the kind of that's the kind of issue that um, does not go down well in, in these days. Um, people, countries don't want to be sold a bill of goods like that by a country or by, um, by, by a, a, a corporation doing business with a country from front of a country like the United States. And I think we need to be very careful about that. And I think these companies need to be very careful about that. That's the mistake I think that China is making in, um, in, in Africa, they've done that, that sort of a thing in Africa. So yes, you, know, you can say that, um, I mean, obviously India is going to be playing an increasingly important role, uh, in Asia and in the world. In terms of economic terms, in terms of production and, and um, uh, the ability to staff and and, um, and expand uh, factories, and, and, um, and particularly in the um, uh, in the um, uh, technology fields, uh, satellites certainly, um, but also um, in in terms of um, uh, chips and um, and other components, electronic components. So I think that this is all something that we really need to pay very close attention to and watch how all of this develops.
0: Yes. And from your perspective, uh, what role will China play in the future? And possibly how it will impact the Indo-Pacific region?
1: Ah, Well, nothing good, I'll (laughs) tell you right right now. (laughs) Um, Look, China is is really, um, it's feeling that it's the most powerful country in the world. You know, I mean, they like to think that they've surpassed the United States in their ability to, to project their power. They haven't yet gotten to that, that degree, but as they do, and I think it will take less than a decade for them to, to get to that position, where they do have the ability to project around the world, to project their military power, and as well their economic um, and social power as well, that's going to be a concern. How does the United States, how does the Western alliance counter something like that? We've never had to deal with something like that before. Remember, when Russia was at um, the Soviet Union, they they, they controlled Eastern Europe. And that was the principal challenge. And NATO was set up to make sure that Russia was contained within Eastern Europe. Um, there was no—I mean, there was competition in the Third World and so on. Some, you know, some uh, rebel groups and so on would get um, some assistance from uh, from the Soviet Union, but nothing worth—nothing that really changed the whole global political landscape. China is in a position to really do substantially more than, right than the Soviet Union ever was at its peak, and and it's, it's intent on doing that. And not only that, I think will become increasingly desperate to demonstrate that, as the, um, um, you know, a, a, as as their yeah. own population shrinks and as they become a, a smaller country uh, in, in terms of population and in terms of their um, industrial production capacity as well, because they won't have the, the manpower to staff a lot of these factories. As they as that happens, I think they will become increasingly de- desperate to demonstrate that they are still a major power to be to be reckoned with. In, in all parts of the world. And that's where, that's the moment at which the uh, democracies, the Western democracies are going to have to be very concerned about um, making sure that they can be contained.
0: Yes, I think uh, considering the manufacturing capabilities, I think China is like a mammoth-sized uh, player in this segment. Uh, but yeah, as we go into the future, uh, we'll see what the results come out. And definitely, uh, I think uh, we have seen a lot of questions popping up. I still have a lot of questions as well. So, uh, David, I think uh, we might possibly organize uh, later on a follow-up episodes uh, to discuss it. And I'm pretty sure all the listeners will be, you know, uh, loving this episode. Uh, but I personally have a lot of questions as well, uh, which I popped up through the discussions. Uh, but I'll keep it to myself at the moment. So that we you know we can uh, create a follow-up episode through this. So yeah, as we are we have approached the end of the podcast. Uh, I would like to know uh, what message would you like to give to the future generations uh, stepping into this field of political science, geopolitics, international relations.
1: Well, I'd like, frankly, to see the you know the Western democracies, uh, particularly the United States, um, uh, continue to reassert themselves as as um, the leading figures and the leading forces in the world. We can't. We, we we can't force democracy, though, on, on an individual country. We can't force our style of democracy on an individual country. And we shouldn't have to do that. We shouldn't be playing the world's policeman. But when there is a clear violation of, of international law and, um, and, and, and political and military standards, uh, as was the case with Russia and Ukraine, we have to stand firm. And I think the same holds true with virtually every other country. We have to monitor yes. China to make sure it does not... Try to extend its influence um, overwhelmingly in some parts of the world I'm thinking particularly of Taiwan and, and that um, you know we really do need to pay very close attention to all of this and be prepared to defend our system wherever it's challenged.
0: Definitely thank you very much uh, David for coming on this podcast uh, and I hope all the audience enjoys this podcast and definitely there will be questions I personally have uh, a lot of them as I mentioned So I'm really, I will be really happy to have you again on the podcast for the follow-up. Thank you very much for
1: your time. Thanks very much. And I'm always delighted to be of your service, uh, Amkar. Yes,
0: thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you find our podcast insightful, then please like, share and subscribe. See you in the next episode. Thank you.